Good morning, guys. I've been told already that I'm the first pacer who's ever preached here, so I'm going to try not to knock over any guitars, do something crazy with the keyboards, but I, I don't tend to stand still, so forgive me in advance for that being something new. <clears throat> and thank you for welcoming our family to Trinity. Uh, that has been just a tremendous blessing for us, and I appreciate the opportunity to say that. So you've heard a little bit about our calling, our family's calling, what we're up to. And this, this morning, to get us kicked off into all that Matt was talking about, what does it look like to be a church on mission, we're going to investigate this idea of Christian calling and the lie of efficiency. Because truly, like Matt just said, we are all called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if you stop and actually think about that for more than just a millisecond, you know you don't do that well. I know I don't do that well. Jesus says the neighbor is not just the guy I kind of like and we have that thing in common, but everybody around me, the entire city of Nashville. My goodness. And we're called to love our families. That's messy and complicated too. And we're called to love our coworkers. And if you have any coworkers, you know that that's not always easy. They're right now, one of you guys is like, I work at home, I wear pajamas, it's cool, right? But for the rest of us, this is hard. It's complicated. Because it's all about people, this is an inherently messy, complicated, joyful, and heartbreaking endeavor, the Christian calling. But we live in a society, y'all, that values efficiency, success, clean, unbridled ambition, and results, results, results. It doesn't jive with the calling we have as Christians. So let's, let's think about that for a minute this morning, y'all, as we get this topic kicked off. The first, by any modern standards that you and I would use to measure success or efficiency. We'd have to be honest, taking a look at the New Testament and say, Jesus' mission was not efficient. By any standards. I I once heard an African pastor, his name is Oscar Maruyu from Nairobi Chapel, and he put it this way, if I were God, I would not send my son as an infant helpless in the hands of a teenage mom, right? Is that a plan for success? Is that clean? Is that efficient? Not at all. And Jesus, by all accounts, he didn't get to an age ago, all right, now it's on my terms. We're going to do this in a powerful way or a clean or efficient way. No, he only called 12 disciples. That's it. And one of them didn't make it. So 11 guys to change the history of the known world and bring about God's plan of redemption on earth. What? And then about his number one top miracles, right? Those he most dramatically healed, do you remember what he says? Keep it quiet. Don't tell anybody, right? How many of us, if we experience something that amazing in our work, in our homes, wherever we might labor, right, wouldn't mount a social media campaign immediately? 
it would be too late. She'd just be like, hey, keep it quiet. I'm sorry, man. It's already out there, right? And then how about the cross? A disastrous end to any ministry. A leader executed like the worst sorts of criminals. And then even after that, Jesus rises from the dead, sees his disciples like we're studying this morning. And he says, hey, y'all, the church is getting started. This is how we're going to do it. And then just within months, the first persecution breaks out. Christians are getting stoned. They are scattered. They're scattered. Can you imagine if this morning's service was raided by the police, the leadership arrested, some of them executed? Would we think Trinity was on mission? Were we being efficient? So the question, y'all, I just want to take a pause as we uh, stop in the middle of this series on James to ask the question, where are we today in our calling? And how are we measuring ourselves? Because make no mistake, there are two options, right? There's the world's definition of results and success and efficiency, and there is God's. I'm not sure about you, but I'm constantly measuring myself in terms of efficiency, in terms like immediate results, key performance indicators, return on investment. Any of y'all business folks know what I'm talking about because on Monday, you're going to have to build those reports, right? And in ministry and in our calling, we tend to do the same things, don't we? For for me, in corner to corner, what that looks like is Bible studies. How are they going? Tutoring, what's that looking like right now? But for you, maybe it's a little different. Maybe it's, how were my kids behaving this morning? I've been pouring into them all week. I've been loving on them. I've been working on that patience. Matt just prayed for our family. But this morning, I'm going to lose it. And they are running around everywhere. And these other kids are behaving so well. Right? I'm not getting the results. And if we're honest, we find ourselves measuring, constantly measuring, measuring, measuring the fruit of our labor. How well am I doing as a husband, a wife, a mother, a friend, a daughter? How well am I doing sharing the gospel with my neighbors, my coworkers? And y'all, when we take this idea, this lie, that we are meant to be efficient, uh, results-driven people into our life of faith, it is disastrous. Because what happens, y'all, is we start living and dying based on the results. I mentioned Bible studies a minute ago. I remember just months ago, we had 27 guys in two different Bible studies. And six of them approached me afterward, and this never happens. They're like, hey, Will, we just love studying the Bible so much. I was like, what? Y'all punking me right now, right? Like, who's messing with me? They're like, no, no, for real. Can we just get together early and do more Bible study? I left that night feeling like I could flip over a car with my bare hands, right? I couldn't stop calling people on the way home. The highs are so high, y'all. But what about 
when we've run a jobs class. And week after week after week, no one has shown up. The lows are low when I'm basing the calling and I'm basing my life and my identity on the fruit of the calling, on the results. Because deep down, we start making those things an idol that I only matter if I am achieving. And all of us, all of us have a calling. All of us have a place in our lives where we are meant to be serving both our family and our neighbors and our city. And we can so quickly take these outside definitions and bring them into our life of faith. And we'll burn out, y'all. We will burn out if we rely on the fruits rather than the creator God. So this morning, just three quick applications just to get our brains thinking about what it looks like missions. I'm sorry, I'm going to be on the side because this mic is like blocking out 80% of y'all. The alternative, y'all, three, three quick takeaways for us this morning. The first is identity. It's identity if you want to take notes. Where do we start our days, y'all? We need to start our days grounded in the identity that we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every morning before we engage with anything else. Because we're so quick to believe a lie about who we are. Y'all, just a simple verse to hang on to this week, something you can do today to start shifting this inner dialogue, right? This monologue you have with yourself as you start your day from Romans 8.1. It's a letter from Paul. And he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that, guys? There is therefore now no condemnation. Not, hey, there might be some condemnation if you don't just get this done. If you don't get the right results. There's some condemnation waiting out there for you. No, it is gone. In Christ, there is now no condemnation. You need to start your day. We all need to start our day with that changed identity in Christ. What this means, y'all, is that all the work we enter into, we enter into as saved sinners, right? And that is freedom to take the work seriously, to work hard, to be diligent, but at the same time, trust in the Lord for the results because they don't define who we are. To love our families, to serve them with everything, to love my neighbor, to learn what repentant faith looks like when I just can't take it anymore with that one guy at the office. to know that I am a redeemed sinner. So that's our first one, y'all, identity. The second two, y'all, we're going to pull out of 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 11. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. We see some great truths here from uh, the Apostle Paul. And he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth and he's telling them about a disastrous missions trip to Asia. 
which is humorous because all of Paul's missions trips were disastrous, right? If you've ever read up, it's like, oh, that time he was stoned. That time he was beaten. They left him for dead outside the city. He was shipwrecked, uh, bitten by poisonous snakes, imprisoned in almost every major city on his way to Rome, right? How many of y'all, if that was your work, if that was your calling, be like, this is going well. I'm glad this. Yeah, feel great. No, right? All of Paul's trips were disastrous, yet Asia, he singles out and be like, this one was really terrible. All right, so let's, let's look. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And there's two things I want to take out of this, y'all, as we think about what it means to be on point in our lives, in our callings. And the first is reliance. So we've got identity and now reliance. We don't know what was happening, but whatever it was, Paul was in utter despair. Despair, the likes of which made him think his life was coming to an end. All while carrying out his calling. All while serving the Lord. We must reject this myth that we will know our calling by the ease with which we enter into it, right? Have you heard that language? I know this must be my calling because everything's going well. And if anything is hard, well, all right, I'm going to go in another direction. No, no, that's not how calling works. That's not how calling works. And you see what Paul says here. This wonderful truth, his despair, whatever situation had created it, was happening so that he would not rely on himself. Man, that is so convicting. I can think in my own life of so many programs or methodologies or books or things that were going to be the next great answer. That if I'm honest and I evaluate them, I was trying to fill my own tank. Reliance on God in the midst of difficult callings mean that we recognize that he is the only one who raises the dead. See what Paul says there? He is the one who raises the dead. Not me, not you, not Paul. Paul wasn't going to be the answer for these people. God is the answer. We labor in the streets and in the homes and in the cities of the dead and dying people like ourselves who outside of Christ have no hope but God. That was your story, many of you today, but God. And so wherever God has called you, wherever he has put you, you will have those times, y'all. And it will be a reminder that you don't raise the dead. 
That's good news. You know why? Because that takes the pressure off of my shoulders. Oh, thank God that's true. That God raises the dead. Even the dead like me. Third takeaway. As Christians, we trust that in those darkest of moments when we despair of life itself, that God will deliver us. See that language in verse 10 here? He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul didn't have like extra size font and italics and bold, right? He repeats it so we get the point. We're forgetful and we're especially forgetful in those darkest of times because we just want immediate relief, don't we? But he will deliver us because we serve the almighty creator God who knows no limits or boundaries. There's nothing that he cannot do. Even in those darkest of moments, those nights when you are just experiencing such despair. Many of you have have been in that place. You might even be there now. My family has recently gone through something that's just brought us to our knees. But we have a hope that is not based in the here and now, but in the here and eternity, y'all. That is where God has set us. So, question that I'll just leave everyone with this morning, myself included. What would it look like for us to be a church that enters into our calling with freedom and trust because the work doesn't define who we are? The verdict is in because of Christ. You're a redeemed son, redeemed daughter, redeemed child of God. That is your identity in Christ today. And then living out of that freedom to know that the hardest things, the slowest things, the messiest, complicated people don't do what I want them to do things, that in those moments we would learn more and more how to rely on God and not ourselves. And then finally, to be a church that in those darkest of moments, because if you haven't been there yet, you will be there. I promise no one gets out of life alive that you will have to hold on to your eternal hope. What would it be like to be that kind of church as we stay on mission, as we enter faithfully into our calling? I'm going to pray for us. Bow your heads with me. Our Father in heaven, We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor this morning. We thank you that you are in the business of making dead people living, praising, worshiping, redeemed children of God. We pray that as we enter into this month and we take time to pause and reflect on the opportunities we have to serve our families, one another, our city, Lord, that you would bring to mind that the work is not our own, that we are co-laborers in your field, Lord, and that the field is ripe for the harvest, Lord. And God, would you give us that 
uh, moment every day. Bring us back to sanity, that our identity is in Christ and in nothing else, Lord. Would you be merciful with us as we try and faithfully live out this calling? We thank you and we praise you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.